if I died, an escape room, an escape room set at my funeral, would, nothing would please me more in death. Do we have to like break into your coffin? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Infinite Escape Room Pubisode Edition. You join us as we are mid-lighthearted chat at <laughs> the at the I don't have a name for the pub. Oh, uh, um, at the Axon Head. There we go. You join us mid-lighthearted chat at the Axon Head, the uh, discerning boozer, the discerning theatre goers. So, fellas, ladies. What are we having? Oh, I'm going to go nuts and have a little non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> Lame, but understandable. Yeah. On that subject, though, um, Mike, I finally tried the non-alcoholic Guinness. It's good, isn't it? It's really close. Yeah, Alan loves them. It's spooky. It. He just drinks those mm. now, really. Like, it, it tastes... Just like Guinness, but just a tiny bit watered down. That would be my only my only note that I can I can feel it's a tiny bit watered down. But apart from that, I cannot tell the difference. It's probably like four point five percent more water. That's probably like <laughs> probably just like just take out the alcohol, put a bit more water in to top the can up. Sorted. Yeah, Bailey, what are you drinking? Bailey. Which one are you drinking? I know I I haven't got an alcoholic beer. It's just what I'd order in the pub if I was in the pub. I've still got my squash, oh. so uh, I don't think oh. we have going in the house. So. I do have non-alcoholic wine. Um, it's actually, terrible. I, it's it's, it's not terrible. too bad. It's not like Schlee, which is just like grape juice. It actually tastes a little bit like wine. Like, it's not wine. Okay. I know that. <laughs> but but it's enough for me to imagine. See, listeners can't see this, but when she said, I know that, there was such sadness mm, in her eyes. That was... I'm a little heartbroken. It's not like there's days, you know, when you just have a stressful day and you're like, oh, I could just just do with that. Just take the edge off because it's been a really bad day. But um, apart from that, I've not missed it socially or anything like that, really, which is quite a shock. So <laughs> Laura was the same. Laura's exactly the same because she she like you bloody loves a glass of wine but yeah apart from the like the end of the week glass which she misses more for kind of yes. like yeah that sort of de-stress ritual she's not she's not missed it or they're saying that she has told me that as soon as baby is out i need to give her a glass of wine bar of chocolate um some sushi salmon and a dog oh, yeah pizza. actually yeah sushi i miss sushi i miss smoked salmon like all that Mm. Is smoked salmon on the list? Yeah, because because anything that's not mm. cooked. Oh, what a load of bollocks! Uh, so if it's if you cook it, if you heat it, I think it's fine. I don't know. Not I. I'm not going to do it, but it's listeria or something. Oh, it's. But yeah, I just it's on the NHS site, and I I'm married to Alan. They, so they basically. I'm not, I'm not eating it. That whole that whole that whole shit they do seems to basically just be don't get food poisoning. Mm. Don't get food poisoning because. It, bad things could happen, and yet, fine. Don't get food poisoning, but I'm just, I'm just not convinced that smoked salmon is is the risk factor. They may as well add, don't eat undercooked yeah, chicken. I, you, no. could, you should limit. I think it's some. I think it's possibly because I think is it tuna steaks or something. You can. That's a mercury thing. No, because no, mercury, not, tuna, yeah. it's not. That's yeah. swordfish and marlin and that kind of thing. Tuna, you can only have mm, like two portions yes. a week because of the um, oil or something in it. So um, yeah, so I'm just I'm just sticking by that, and it's it's fine. Like, I wonder, I wonder if this is a slightly sad cultural evolution. Um, like back in the day, 
and I don't mean specifically about pregnancy and birth and all of that. I mean just about life. Like when bad stuff happened, when something bad happened to someone and it was awful, it would be awful, of course. But the explanation would basically be stuff happens. Mm. Accidents happen. Things happen randomly. And maybe it's God's will or whatever it is, but stuff happens. Whereas now we are so determined to find cause and to apportion blame and to apportion reason and to find out the why. Why me? Why then? Why now? We can't handle. Well, it's a, it's a side effect of wanting to have, I mean, the NHS particularly, it's a side effect of having an evidence-based approach mm. to healthcare. It means you, you get that alongside the yeah. other stuff. You get the stuff that goes, hey, here's an interesting statistic about this. If you do eat three kilos of salmon in a day, you're going to feel poorly because, says the man who ate an entire salmon one day and then wondered why he felt ill for two days. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, and also I, I'm really conscious whenever the, like, the baby and diet stuff comes up, I don't get a vote. I do what I'm told. I bring the food that's requested. Yeah. I nod. I keep my mouth shut. Yeah, I think I think as well. Like even just you know a hundred years ago or fifty years ago, or even just if you're not white and uh, you don't live in a first world country, then um, or even if you are not white and Hello, you do live in a Australians hi, and you do live in a first world country. Um, when you're pregnant, your instincts, your every instinct says, "I must do what yeah. I can to protect this totally. baby." Generally speaking, mm. so you're going to do whatever the accepted medical wisdom um, suggests that you do because that is your, that's your evolutionary um, biology kicking in going, I must protect these I would these argue genes. though, I would argue though that there is a collision course between accepted medical wisdom and like your own state of mind. Certainly our experience from when Sinead was pregnant was that the, the sheer weight and force of some medical advice, especially towards the end, mm. was incredibly unhelpful and threatening and intentionally scary and statistically misleading uh, and all sorts of things that in, in any other area of life you would go, that's really bad practice or that's a really bad way of doing this. But because it's about birth, we go, did everyone get out of there okay? Okay, fine, don't care. Yeah, And and I understand why, because the stakes could not be higher. But at the same time, it seems odd to abandon all of that stuff and chase the diminishing returns of, yes, but uh, we think that maybe if you do this, there's a 0.4% chance less that the bad thing might happen. So everyone must do this now. I mean, I would agree with that. But originally... We were talking about just avoiding certain foods, and I think that that's a fairly sort of low-level thing that feels like something that you yeah, can do to have control a bit of this control. giant uncontrollable thing exactly. that is happening to you. Yeah, yeah, Jacob Reese Saunders. This <laughs> is John, John's just John's just doing one of his anti-woke rants again. You carry you carry on, Anarchos. You you finish. I'll take the top hat off. Listen, uh, you know, uh, my birth was uh, my not my birth, but the, when I birthed my children, it was also highly medicalized. Would I have loved that to be different? Absolutely. Would I have loved to have felt less panicked uh, and to feel more in control? Absolutely. Um, but so I, t I absolutely take your point about sort of the towards the end of the pregnancy. But I think in terms mm. of just avoiding a couple of yeah. foods for a couple of months, I think that's generally a fairly low level thing that you can do to help yourself feel like you are at least doing what you can. Yeah, to get a good outcome, because you're quite right there. It's like it does feel like this apart from it, you know, it being it growing within you. There's only so much. It's a lot to do with like luck, chance, um, 
just the way yeah. things happen. So if there is anything you can yeah. do to kind of any minimize any risk and that kind of thing. And and I get like I get what you're saying, John, with like the with his blame as a claim and all that kind of culture. It's just it's just I think with the NHS site, and that's where we take our advice from, um, is is mm. that there's I think a lot of it like Mike said, is evidence-based. But obviously there's, they're not running the experiments on pregnant women. <laughs> so it's like... Well, it's, so it's, it's based no, on it's, like it's kind of over, poorly I, I over time and that kind of thing. But also I suppose there's like... Well, it's, some, it's, it's, it's big data-driven as well, yeah. And I think like sorry, some things, it's... Sorry. Um, <clears throat> it, it's There isn't a kind of... They can't recommend a safe level. So it's like, just don't... Just avoid it. They they also do that with an an awful lot of uh, medications where they just there just isn't a body of evidence. They just go, oh, don't then, mm. don't take that if you're pregnant. And you're like, okay, what does a bad thing happen? Oh, we've no idea. Probably not, but we've got no good way to test it, so just don't. And and that ends up writing off so much stuff. There are things you that can. Read is on. almost certainly fine. I mean, speaking there, there of are... speaking of testing or not testing things properly, did you know? And I don't know if this is an actual fact, but I I heard this recently. Um, they've only just started testing period products with actual blood. Really? What? No. I, again, I what don't know how the blue liquid in the source. <laughs> but apparently, oh, yes. yes. Apparently, what up is the now, blue liquid? They've just been That's using nice. blue liquid or, you know, water, why, whatever. Why blue? Why blue? I mean, is it a gag about blue? No, I think like, it's just like, the... so it's so... It's, it it's because, like you know, blood. it might offend, it might offend yeah, the men that there's I'm blood. just a little lady. <laughs> I don't bleed, you know, yes. just... <laughs> no, it's definitely never gross. <laughs> it's just this inoffensive Great. blue liquid that comes out a bit it's like It's kind of like bleach. And then you play badminton yeah. <laughs> because that's what happens you... in all of those ads. Well, you play badminton in your white shorts. Um, yes. Uh, you know, or, or, it doesn't matter how heavy your flow is. Um, you know, blood clots could be flying, but you are wearing your uh, your tight white shorts with with a thong underneath because that's what you do now, on your heavy period. Speaking yeah. of flowing, uh, Onikos, what are you drinking? <laughs> I am drinking delicious. We're Oda still Thames. there, folks. We're still there. Oda Thames. Tell us well, more of this scrumptious vintage. I'm just delicious, delicious <laughs> Thames water, tap water, unfiltered, baby. Ooh. <laughs> hey, no, goes. There's brown stuff in there. What are you doing? Oh boy. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's see how long Listeria's gestation period is. Oh, and as for me, I am drinking an unpronounceable drink. Guys, have a go at that. Sorry. <laughs> oh fuck. Fine. Which would make sense because don't they say skull? Uh, in one of the Scandinavian countries, not the Netherlands. I mean, it's got a picture of Africa on it. Oh, is it maybe in 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 Sosa with the uh, with that with the the clicks? So it's like scully or something. It um it contains, and I'm not making this up, gentle aromatic Asian flavors. But it has an af- picture of Africa on it. <laughs> yes, what Whoa. the hell? And, sc- and sound Scandinavian. Oh, Scandi name. Listen, there's a whole Asian diaspora yeah. in, in Africa. Yeah. Okay, cool. So maybe they um, um, brought some of their... Product Asian of South Africa. Over. Product of South Africa. Okay, so this is some South African um, Norwegian sounding cider spelt with an X, which just makes my blood boil. Um, however, it's quite nice. Oh, uh, quite fresh and cidery. I've no idea how it got into my cupboard. Mike, did you leave this here? No, uh, that might be an Allen job. Oh, I think it is. Mm. Probably an- I thought... 
I recognised Oh, Alan bought an expired beer, I think. I thought I recognised it. I had it in um, a Degusta box. <laughs> so I think I think nice. it ended well, up in the you, random box Emma of beers in our garage, which Alan just takes everywhere to try and get rid of them because <laughs> we don't drink them. He presented this to me as a heartfelt gift, so it's really heartening Sorry, to know that he's just been trying to offload them onto people. I don't, I don't know, Alan, but I just had this image of a man just sort of going over to his friends' houses and and sneaking off to hide bottles of beer in random places. Just to get rid of it. That's Alan. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Alan, yeah that's, every, that's... the beer bandit. It's a, it's amazing for a man who is not here on this show. He's taken an awful lot of flack. <laughs> oh no, he's great. Sorry, Alan. Hello. I'm here as well, and I'm drinking, or oh, I was, was drinking, I'm nearly finished, um, a delicious rum and ginger ale. It's a red leg pineapple rum, which is so yummy. Um, and I'm enjoying it very, very much, Lee. Okay, if I could draw your attention and your memory back to the room you just did not do. Oh, you fuck, yeah, oh. let's put some fucking um, right. shit to That's the first here. one I've not done. Well, I mean, I, I'm a bit notorious for fail endings, um, so... It's fine. It hardly counts. I have killed more teams and ended more things badly than everyone else combined. So it's fine. Uh, this was a little bit of, of trickery. Mm. Uh, so my idea with this episode was that I wanted something where you didn't have time to think. You had to proceed at a certain pace with simple tasks that were easily achievable and that would distract you from examining things more closely. Mission accomplished. And you would get punished for this. And in that sense, it all worked brilliantly. Yeah, You achieved all the straightforward goals that were presented with you, um, but did not uh, have headspace to pay closer attention to the subtle signs that something was not right with the axes. Uh, and there were subtle signs, my friends. Mm. There were... Yeah. There were... There were, you Possibly fuck. three. Uh, the axe on the desk was described as glinting at you, yeah. um, which surely is a bit much for a prop axe. The axe in the hand of the actor in the photo of the it show was, the large, was described yeah. as a large axe and the one on the props table was a small axe. Yeah. Uh, All firefighting equipment must be in place. You. Yes, which means... Fuck. You are, I, I hate that it was fair. I hope genuinely that you plug your dick into your Tesla and drive away with it. Jesus, You bastard. I mean, it won't drive away with the charge port open, but apart from that fair comment... Slam the door. Um, I don't think it was entirely fair, actually. Having, having you know, watched it play out... <laughs> bastard. For, the, for what would be the sort of... The, 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 the rehearsal, the dress rehearsal, and the opening night all in one, which is all we ever get with these things. Having seen it played out, I think it was slightly unfair. I think I needed another hint. I was thinking of having the label on the props table say large axe and then the description of the axe there, mm -hmm. the small axe. But that I would be too would be easy, too I think. I thought That'd that would be, too be obvious. That would just... I, d I don't know how else I, I could have done uh, it to just give you a little... Yeah. You nearly picked the axe up off the wall. Had you done it, I would have described it as, as a prop axe. Mm. That as soon as you pick it up off the wall, it's clear to you. Oh, this is not a real axe, uh, but you didn't. Oh, see, if I had examine. done what I wanted to do and cut down the fire curtain, oh yeah, geez, man, yeah, you would have done it. You you a wouldn't yeah. have cut it down, and b you would have realised, oh, this is this Damn is not right sometimes follow you. Yes, I, th I think we would have still lost because uh, because the fire equipment would have wouldn't have been in place. I imagine having realised that that was the wrong axe, you would have swapped them. Yes. Possibly. 
But um, if we'd hacked then, down the fire curtain, then we would still have not won, right? Oh, you wouldn't have needed to. But if, so if you'd taken the large axe off the wall and tried to hack down the fire curtain, it wouldn't have worked because it would have been the prop axe. Yes. And that would have been the mechanism for you to realise that you had the wrong one and that they were in the wrong place. Yeah. With the benefit of the insurance policy, you would then know, oh, no, firefighter equipment must be um, in the correct position. And you put the small axe back where it needed to so, be. Mm. And this is based off of reality. Because um, earlier this year, I was understudying in a West End theatre, and that fire curtain is exactly as it is in real life. There's this highly tensioned ribbon hanging down with a wooden bar behind it to to take the the hit of the axe, and an incredibly sharp, glinting axe hanging on nails next to it. Oh, that's so cool. So if you have to drop the fire curtain in the event of a fire, you grab the axe and you swing it at that, which is wild to me that yeah. it's still there. But you it think is. they would have come I up like with that. a new system, possibly. I imagine there is a, there's an electrical system and that's if there's a power cut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah presumably you, you just get understudies to throw themselves in the fire until it goes themselves. out. themselves. Mm, it would not, it would, not, would not surprise me. It's a human shield. <laughs> Can I just give my gut reaction to the room, by the way? Because I actually really enjoyed mm, yes. it. I actually, like, don't get me wrong, John. I really, really hope you accidentally slam your dick in the Tesla <laughs> during one of your regular Tesla fucking sessions um, <laughs> that you enjoy so very much where Sinead goes to charge it and she's like, oh, God, why is there my... so much cum in our Tesla charging port? <laughs> but um, I actually really, I really oh. enjoyed it. I, like... As as so, I enjoyed like the puzzle elements of it, which were nice and simple. But then adding that layer of timed stress for me, and actually, like initially, I was like, "What the fuck is John doing with all these weird bits and pieces?" Like, "Oh, we're backstage," and then the picture was solid. I, it really works for me. I liked the controlled chaos and the slight edge of panic, and genuinely, the fact that you've got an anxiety dream for three people who've done stuff in theatres before. I mean, Anako's done a lot of stuff in theatres, but mm. for you've got. A genuine anxiety dream all three of us have had of pitching up with no fucking clue what to do and a crowd outside. Mm, yep. I think the, the one more clue on the axe would have been good. Uh, at the same time, though, yeah, all firefighting equipment must be in place. Just fucking checked that. So, yeah, I'm, I, I actually, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, I, thought it was, it was, I don't feel bad about failing that one. I'd still, again, hope you slam your dick in the Tesla charger, but um, yeah, I don't feel bad about it. But you don't feel bad about See, failing. Okay. I don't feel bad he about said that so many times because he's hoping I'm going to miss one of them in the edit. <laughs> That's why he's repeating yeah, it. But no, I, I, I agree. I thought... Or he just genuinely hopes hopes you slam your dick in the yeah. Tesla. <laughs> Please stop saying that. But, yeah, but... It might happen. If we say it enough times, it'll happen. We'll manifest it. But it was, yeah, I thought it was quite like, a, like just a different room. I know I haven't done that many recently, but um, it's... Uh, like the, the, the time element because it was a bit scattergun to begin with, but then finds every. I also am very proud mm. of myself with the five, six, seven, eight uh, steps reference. Good job, Bailey. You were. Like, this you, is, this is thank you steps because here. Like, it's just. Uh, I would not have yeah. got that at all in a million years. <laughs> I'll be honest. I I was betting on 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 the Baylanator for for an answer there. So, uh, um, but yeah, but I thought it was like the time then, like when yeah. when we'd. Um, got the in uh the crumpled piece of paper with the crumpled piece of paper with the timings and stuff on and or or when we'd mm. but you also got the photo of the man with the axe and you got the full blacks um so had you not retrieved the full blacks at that point when the timer started i would have said at this point you realize that you are all wearing very brightly colored clothes 
um, and that would have prompted you to the the note further on. Anacos, the consummate professionals, just like okay, everybody yeah. relax. <laughs> it's like come on, just so experienced, so good. Anacos just like took charge. Uh, have you done stuff backstage, Anacos? Let's let's um let's make sure this is prepared. Let's make sure that's in place. Let's mix up the cocktails. Let's do the blood. And I'm sat there thinking, fuck. You're only supposed to be doing these things as the time approached, not like five minutes in advance. No, I think I've been around too many really good stage managers who are like, no, everything must be ready at the props table. Nobody touch what isn't yours. Um, yep. Yeah. This is That's an interesting insight into how your brain works, though, John, of like, okay, I'll prepare the thing one minute yeah, before when it go says go. Yeah, when it says cue, that's when it needs to happen. Don't get me wrong. I've definitely <laughs> had stage managers like that as well where I'd, I'd requested, it was during my MA, and I'd requested uh, a shrink-wrapped broccoli. Uh, and I, <laughs> This was like two weeks before the actual show. And, as and they said, on a coast, it's wings, Hamlet. You're not having that. No. Well, so as I'm standing, it was, it was a piece that I'd written myself. And as I'm standing in the wings, ready to go on, uh, one of the stage manager, uh, and they were all, you know, second year or third years, I think, um, at my theatre school, and um, one of the stage managers came up to me and said, oh, I'm so sorry, by the way, we don't have the shrink wrap broccoli. And I was like, <sighs> I have given you two weeks, which is ample time. <gasps> I have said several times, God. do you need me to get that? Because I go by the, by the supermarket anyway, and it's, it's just a silly little thing, but I'd like it to be there. And it wasn't effing there. And I was like, oh my God. in my previous drama school, we never had stage managers, and we made sure that we had all of our own props. Yeah. And I would have had it. If I hadn't been told many times by the chocolate teapot of a stage manager, although I think that is I've a... I've never seen her this angry. At least a chocolate teapot is delicious. <laughs> Even if you put tea and on he it, tea and chocolate, yum. But he was just a waste of a stage managing position at that time. I've, I've got you beat there. Um, that sounds awful, but I do have you beat because I had a stage man manager so incompetent they were responsible for my physical injury during the what show. Happened? Do you remember this uh, this show, Mike? This was Merlin Unchained. Oh, I, I do. Was, that was a really good show. I, I remember that. it. I remember it. Yeah. So there was an incident in this show. Okay, oh, no. So I is... think I know who the stage manager was as well. Oh, no. Oh, don't. <gasps> Name the no, no, I won't. Um, so... It was, this is an incredibly deep space, and I I had to leave as at the end of a scene, in sort of through the audience, and then I had to run all the way to the back of the space, do a quick change, and then walk on from that end of the stage for the next scene as a different character. Now this is fine. Uh, I end this penultimate scene barefoot, and I'm barefoot in the next scene too. I just have to change my clothes on top, so it's all good. I go running down this very long corridor, and this corridor is obviously almost total darkness because it's right next to the stage. Now, there's a little S-bend in this corridor with some doors that are held open by stage weights. And as I approach this S-bend, the stage manager's job is to point a torch at the floor so that I can see no. where the stage weights are. And one night, she was on her phone, I couldn't see anything, and I caught my little toenail on the stage weight and ripped it off. Oh my God, I didn't know that happened. It came clean off oh, and was gone. We apologise to our listeners for the it graphic is, nature of this. It's haunting the theatre still to I this then, day. <laughs> Little nail. <laughs> well, I then carried on the change in significant pain and what went on with adrenaline rushing for the last scene, barefoot in that scene too, <laughs> with my little toe bleeding all over the thankfully 
um, vermiculite covered stage. Like the stage was covered in this sort of um, uh, vermiculite. It's like, like it actually featured in one of my. I was going to say, I, like, I heard that. Uh, escape that rooms. One, yeah. It did, yes. Um, yeah, it's sort of like dust, which absorbed uh, the blood uh, very nicely. But yeah, I had to walk on stage with my toenail gone oh because of this God. idiot. Yeah, it's not who I thought it was. There we go. And her name was. It's not who I thought it was. Come on, John. But but there is some you have highlighted an interesting cultural um issue there on the coast with, with stage managers and props. Welcome to theatre chat. <laughs> Blood it off. Shall I get a book? But like in, in the UK, we're taught at drama school, your props are your problem. If your prop is not in place as an actor going on stage, <laughs> it's on you and you should have checked. Um, okay, Mike, when you said get a book, like did you have to actually get a book? Oh sorry, sorry, am I <laughs> He's getting the theatre handbook 101 <laughs> that he can check. Yeah, yeah. So I did a show a while back called Potted Potter, which went to Canada. And the crew, uh, including the stage management, were Canadian or, or American. In the show, there were many, many wigs and many, many props that I had to use. And I started moving them around before the show to where I wanted them to be. And the stage manager came up to me and was visibly angry at me for doing this because this is her job. I have to tell her where I want the props to be and then she puts them there and she notes where they go and she makes sure they're there for every show on the tour because by doing her job I had basically infringed upon her her union defended role and she was not happy with me for doing this at all and it was a real culture shift to like to get used to the idea that this person if I want something done or prep for the show or in a certain way I have to tell her and she will do it and I do not worry about it again, which was Ooh. a hell of a step change. I mean, based on your normal levels of organisation, John, I feel like that was nothing but good. Shut up. Shut up. Did you have like somebody whose entire job was to sort of literally stand there with a massive clock yeah, next just... to you and go like, <laughs> <laughs> should have left by now? Should have been like the countdown. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> no. Though, though, to be fair, um, I started the show and the lighting changed. Then I run on and try and kind of G up the audience. And um, she would make me stand next to her before that and would, would do, you know, three, two, one, go with her fingers at my face. So that there was no possible way I could misinterpret this signal that you wait, 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 go. So she I really think... had the measure of you then? <laughs> It feels like Canada Arguably, yes. like, saw you coming. They were like, who's this disorganised tardy fuck? Quickly, hire a person in a position to literally just organise his life around him. Do you think the producer's like, just tell him you're the stage manager? But that's not the stage manager's <laughs> job. Just tell him. Just tell him. He won't know. <laughs> it's just his mum coming. <laughs> mum, I'm so stressed. I met him for 10 minutes and he fucking just lost his angry keys. get angry at him. He'll, he'll listen to you. <laughs> and he turned up late. <laughs> Oh God! But... I hope she was oh, a really well, short summary, woman as well, because I would really enjoy the comedy of yeah. of that image. <laughs> oh, a little, um, little she wasn't that short, but she was very frightening, um, and she enjoyed that she was frightening. Mm. She was cool, like she was a great stage manager. Um, and my idea for the stage manager uh, dropping steps references was that she she would always um talk about the show over the the the, the cans, the stage manager like communication channel in terms of zombie movies. So her opening to the show um, 
wow, what was it? It was something, something, let's kill some zombies. And and she would check in that everyone was there. Uh, so I thought, oh, that'd be like nice to sort of kooky stage manager who's all their references are about one thing and the one thing is hinting towards what you need. Had you not gotten five, six, seven, eight, Bailey, I would have had the stage manager continue to chime in with increasingly heavy-handed steps lyrics. Yeah, I just, I was like, I'm going to look like a complete idiot suggesting this. It can't possibly be five, six, seven, eight. Mm. But yeah, that's the first. That's the first time I think that's ever happened to me in my, one of these rooms. <laughs> my big worry was, what if they try one, two, three, four, and then five, six, seven, eight? Just like because that is not? also something that we've done like in, in these rooms. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I like. I like the, if Alan had been solving, it would have. There was like Mike said, completely fair. There was enough things, and if we one of us, if one of us had just said, like, uh, oh, what about the like, just looked at like, what about the fire equipment? Why is that on there? Yeah, but we were just like, ah! yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was good. It was really, really good. Enjoyed it. There, there originally was more on the insurance policy. You would have to go around like pack oh testing God. things. <laughs> um, basically, just to illustrate that no one's fucking doing that stuff anymore. Just sticking the labels on things so that everything looked like it had been tested. <laughs> I, I, I left some stuff in the office once, um, and I came back to find pack testing stickers all over it. I was just like, amazing. <laughs> One was like one was like an ancient phone charger, which must have spat out less energy than an A4 battery. I'm like, how the hell did you even pass, test did it that? Pass? Mm. It, it did, yeah. I've still got the sticker on it so now. I, I actually looked this up, and a significant proportion of the PAT test is a visual inspection. So it's literally look at yeah. it. Is, Does it, it look is actively broken? on fire? No. I think I did, like, I, I remember like, when I did, like in sixth form or something, I, did a, I think I did some PAT testing as part of... I did a stage management thing. I'm sure, or I saw the guidance of of how they do it. Something technical, like the technical side of stuff. I don't know. I mean, it's like 20 years ago. I'm going to do acting. Well, maybe not quite 20 years ago, but 18 years ago. But Uh, I'm sure, yeah. And it is, you're right. It's like very, lots of visual checks. I think they've got like a little machine or something. But yeah, from what I remember, like I just, you know, when you just have a rapid like like, moment, like go blast past. Just about pat testing, so mm. rock and roll. That would be like that would be the saddest version of yeah. I was about to say like ratatouille, like, like the ratatouille moment. <laughs> he, get, he puts the courgette in his mouth and he's just thinking of a really of good pat, pat testing. Yeah. <laughs> so oh yeah, that was that was the shit. This rat restaurant's good to go. Rat testing. Pat patatouille. Patatouille. Yeah. Rat testing. Aww. Aww. Oh. That's right. it. We're done. Last ding, ding. orders is gone. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> unless any, unless anyone has anything left to discuss, I don't think we can beat rat testing yeah. and patatouille. Um, have you got anything? I mean, uh, um, yeah, Bailey, Anacos, you guys have got anything? No, I. You think... have any recommendations? Anything you've been listening to, or reading, or even perhaps watching with your eyes uh, that you would like to share with the world and proselytize and get out there? Ooh, um, you're dead to me. Is a history podcast. Oh, Laura loves that. Laura loves really, it. really good. Um, yeah, it's, I've just uh, listened to one on Ivan the Terrible, um, and he was very terrible. Okay, pitch it, pitch it to me, pitch it to me. Twenty seconds. What is your destiny? Okay, um, so it's the one of the guys from Horrible Histories, and he has a histor- historian and a comedian on there, and they they pick up. This is a Radio Four show. Yeah, 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 yeah. BBC Radio Four. 
And they um, they kind of analyse historical figures or historical movements or let's just history. And they do they do the they do the nuance nuance call, window. Yes. So, nuance uh, window. That's it. Where like the historian gets to basically debunk the myth and go, okay, uh, this whole idea we have about Alexander the Great. Here's where it falls well, apart. He did horrible things to people, um, you know, and it's quite likely he did it. But also, like that was kind of like talented ballroom dancer. But also, like kind of um, uh, that was kind of like this. Like not he was pretty. He was bad, but also everyone was really violent in that kind of mm. like that that kind of time frame. So so it's okay because everybody was doing it. No, 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 no. It's not that. It's just a bit. It, that was the nuance window. I'm not. It's not me saying it, but it was just like saying that like people were being burnt alive for religion and. So back then it was it was just oh, I'm not getting into this. Like, sorry, this is not what I meant. To... <laughs> Vlad the Imbalinator. Ivan the relatively terrible. It's it's a good point because there's an awful lot of um of this sort of dodgy thinking when we look at history. We go, oh, this person was awful because they did all of these. Well, this government was so terrible. But if you actually compare them to their compatriots at the time, a lot of the time, it's just par for the course. But this bit got recorded. But I, I, yeah, you're dead to me is a very good podcast. Go back to that. <laughs> there you go. You're dead to me, folks. Mike, I thought I'll, I'm going to pass over to Anakis. Oh, Anakis. thanks. Um, I started only very recently listening to um, 28 ish days later, which is a BBC podcast about the menstrual cycle huh. um, and sort of debunking debunking myths and uh, explaining how uh, even though the menstrual cycle has been around for as long as there have been humans and longer. It's not something that is very well known and uh, a lot of people still don't fully understand it and there hasn't been very much research into it because uh, mm. science is very male-led still and the money is very much male-driven. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a BBC broadcaster, uh, I think, who, who... BBC Sounds? Yes, hang on. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll check that out, I think. That sounds really good. Either on the BBC Sounds app or using a VPN of your choice. It's 28-ish days later and uh, the blurb says, What do you really know about the menstrual cycle? In this award-winning podcast, India Rakusen, Rakusen um, explores the whole bloody story, discovering facts that could change your life. <sighs> Periods are just the beginning. Okay. Pretty good. Um, yeah, um, I'm, we're doing like a BBC Sounds special. Um, I was going to throw out, uh, Tim Harford's latest book, which I really enjoyed, but actually, I recently really dug um, Uncharted with Hannah Fry. She's great. Yeah, she's really good fun. Um, and they're really short uh, little episodes. They're like 10, 15 minutes a pop. Uh, and it's kind of like uh, more or less their little data, their little stories about little case studies of where data influenced a thing or where kind of data was used to do a thing or understand a thing or decode a thing or debunk a thing or how we look at the data now and go oh that's why that thing was shit um and they're just yeah they're really beautifully written they're nice and short uh, and each one is kind of like a little mini case study on a particular kind of type of or a particular kind of way that you can use data to uh, interpret the world, inform decision-making, uh, but in a much more sexy and exciting way than I'm making it sound. And Hannah Fry's just got a really nice voice and cadence. You kind of feel like she could read you the back of a fag packet and you'd be like, oh, yeah, nicotine may cause lung cancer. Yeah, and I'm, I'm bored. She's got, yeah, just a really nice kind of nice sort of thing going on. So, yeah, I uh, totally recommend that. And you can find that on BBC Sounds or the VPN app of your choice. Uh, it's probably, most BBC stuff's actually, you can just get it through podcatchers as well. I 
have been listening an awful lot, binging, dare I say, to We Have Ways of Making You Talk, <laughs> uh, which is a history podcast all about World War II. And it's Al Murray and James Holland, who's his story. Now, Al Murray, the comedian, is infamously a massive World War II history geek. Um, and he's, yeah, it's him and this World War II historian talking about very, very specific aspects of the war, um, which sounds dreadfully dull, but it's fascinating. And I'm basically learning that most of my understanding of not what happened, but why things happened is completely messed up. And all of my cultural assumptions are completely wrong. Like, for example, the idea that we have that, for example, the German equipment uh, in the war was was excellent and British equipment was pretty crap. It's kind of a nonsense uh, that's much more to do with that needing to rehabilitate uh, the Germans within our own culture after World War II to help us fight the Russians um, than it was to do with the situation at the actual time. Oh. Uh, so there's all sorts of fun stuff in there. I'm like 70 episodes in and I am loving every second of it. So if you're any kind of history, uh, history nerd or geek at all, have a listen to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. It will open I your I will actually mind. subscribe to that. And Anikos, what was yours again? 28-ish days later. 28-ish days later because periods do not always come on time ladies gentlemen thank you for joining me in the pub and thank you for failing my room um it was very entertaining to watch you squirm dear listener i hope you've enjoyed the show we are gonna go back uh mike's gonna die mike's gonna yeah he mike is dead mike is dead so the next episode will as advertised earlier can't edit this out now, focus entirely on mike's funeral <laughs> play that at my funeral <laughs> we love you lots everybody and we'll see you next week on the infinite escape room bye-bye bye bye-bye now bye-bye 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 <laughs>